The Biscuit is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. So as any parent knows, drop-offs and pickups, schools and daycares, that's a that's a hard task in itself for even just for like a family that might have like one working person and one stay-at-home person, but to have two working parents with me having to be at the coffee shop to open it up initially for a period of time didn't give any flexibility for her to rely on me to support that. Um, so she picked up a ton of slack and still does every day. Um, she sacrifices a ton so that Enderly Coffee can grow to a place that we hopefully hit stability. Um, but it started early on um, and it still goes to today. Like she said, back when I was roasting, it was, you know, it was me out doing my thing while she like took took up for me and cleaned up dinner and put the kids down or whatever. And I was out in the backyard smoking up in the neighborhood and roasting coffee. Hello, Biscuit listeners, and welcome to another freshly baked edition of the Biscuit Podcast, celebrating Charlotte's creativity every week. I'm your host, Andy Goh. Young Citizen is a hip-hop producer and a rapper whose project, The Fit EP, was released earlier this summer. The four-track work looks at the authenticity of friendships in the digital era, satisfaction with oneself, and the rapper's ode to his unborn daughter. You'll hear his story first in the latest segment of Liner Notes. Second, hear head biscuit maker Tim Miner talk to Becky and Tony Santoro of Enderly Coffee Company in another segment of Creative Besties. Becky and Tony's second venture, Foster Village, won $20,000 at Seed20 in 2019. Being a creative partner with someone is one thing, but being married to them as well, well, that's quite another. Don't miss the next mogul moment from Nikki Eason in between segments as well. Let's take a listen. It's the Queen City Anthem. I don't have all the answers. My real name is Christopher Michael Williams. Uh, Young Citizen Man just really came when I was like a teenager, and my friends was like, "Yo, you, if you make a beat stuff, like you kind of need a name." And then like Citizen just came to my mind because I'm a citizen of United States, and I was like, "Well, let me just put something in front of that," and that's where Young came from. But I was like, "Let me take the O out to make it stand out more," so I don't, you know, so it doesn't look like the real Young. So. Then when I when I was like 15, man, I got into uh, making beats, and then I, I fell in love with like the Neptunes. I, there's this Scratch magazine that I still need to find um, with them with uh, Pharrell Williams and Chad Hugo at the front of the magazine. And the Scratch magic uh, a Scratch magazine was like it was like the producers like Bible because each edition was just talking about new equipment that came out new software different producers talking about what they do and giving advice so we used to watch i used to read those magazines all the time um and then you know i started making beats and my dad was like what are you doing i'm like i think i want to do this and then i took it serious and then when i got to college they had a program a music program and i ended up getting getting a degree in it and then studying it and music theory and piano lessons and 
vocal performance and things like that. So that's really where it all started from the beginning. People call me like some 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 people call me the activist because I'm always preaching like talking about things to change and change for better, which I that's that's what I'm very passionate about. But I wanted to do something fun, so I I decided to come up with fit, which means feeling feeling tune, and it's just me talking about like. Uh, not you know it just means I'm I'm in tune with myself as an artist I'm confident but I don't want to fit in with every what everybody else is doing um and that's really where that came from and you know we just we we made like five six tracks and I was like let me just make it real short and that as it just flew you know it was a, it was a you know continuous project that can you can go one to four like <clears throat> you know continuously right and not have to skip yeah, so that's where it yeah. really came from technology taking over the mind state Conversations thinned out, just called a bad case. Then to base it off a character, a bad trait. Ain't no way to take it back, cause now it's too late. And so they say, it's our own fault. Making own decisions. You know, when I listen to melodies, it just it just gets me and just it, everything just pours out. So I was just like, man, like I really want to spread a message just about like all of us stop, you know, just let's not be on our phones all the time and let's Let's get engaged with people in person, you know. Um, there's a lot of people that I interact with that cannot interact with people in person, you know. And it's just like, dang, man, like, get off get off technology, you know what I'm saying. When I'm riding through the neighborhood, you know, through my neighborhood, uh, you know, when I was younger, growing up, I used to see kids outside all the time. I don't see that no more. You know, in the summertime, there's no kids outside. I'm like, where the kids at? You know, because they're inside playing video games or, on, you know, or maybe they create their own YouTube channel. I don't know. But that's that's really where where the inspiration came from. I I just want us as people to just be able to engage in person and have a full length conversation because things can can get kind of awkward if you don't know how to do that. And I've been in situations like that, and I just want that to you know there's there's definitely opportunity in that field, and that's where the that's where the huge inspiration came from. You know, just like it really came from experiences that I've had. Yeah. We have age restrictions on smoking, gambling, and uh, alcohol, and we have no age restrictions on social media and cell phones, which is the equivalent of opening up the liquor cabinet and saying to our teenagers, hey, by the way, this adolescence thing, if it gets you down... <laughs> but that's basically what's happening. That's basically what's happening. That is Simon Sinek. I hit my, I hit my mans up. His name is Brandon. Um, I was like, man, I need something like to go in between these verses and he was like bro listen to this youtube video and it was Simon Sinek and he was literally a part of his uh a part of Simon Sinek's you know his interview he was literally talking about what I was talking about in my song like how kids who who kids who have friendships just they they make plans and then the other you know the friends are like uh well there's something better going on so let's just cancel this like a lot of people experience that you know, they have friends that just cancel them just like that because something better just comes along that excites them when they should just really stay loyal and just stick with, you know, the original plan. Talks about, like, social media, how that's affecting a lot of people when it comes to mental health. I'm very, like, I'm very, when it comes to mental health, like, I'm very uh, involved in that. I want to make sure, like, people that I'm around, you know, they're everybody's good, man, because... A lot of people go through a lot, and they don't know how to, like, let it out. You know, they don't know to go to a therapist. Like, I go to a therapist, and I, I like to make sure that I'm mentally good to, like, interact with everybody else, and I'm able to get all the all the, all the negative energy and frustration out, so that way I'm able to interact with people. Um, and it, it's, it's really involved around that. So. 
Wish I had a mansion. Wish I was dressed with something fancy. Wish I on a pot on some gold with the rainbow. Kind of time Clancy. Wishing I had no debt. Maybe then I can't flex. Go and hit a run, I'ma check. Wish I had no other sand, but was beating on my chest. Wishing for my people. Um, I wish, man, came from uh, just a quick story. My friend that I went to college with, he was a theater major, and he was walking through the woods and singing this song. I'm like, bro, it sounded good. He was like, oh, man, it's just a prologue from this play called or movie called Into the Woods. I was like, oh, is that what it's called? He was like, yeah. So I went to the actual song on YouTube, and I found it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, crazy. So then I downloaded it, and I literally took like different sections of the actual beginning and it just the riff just it just made sense and I was like yo this is crazy I wish I had something foreign. I know I can't afford it. It's all love, so I'm just going to ignore it. I'm ignore the fact that I can't afford it and still be happy with love. You know what I'm saying? Like the love that I have around me, it's all the happy. It's all the stuff I need. Love is all we need to really make us happy. Even though money does, you know, give us opportunities to do things that we do love to do. But if we have people that genuinely love you, like that makes us happy. Like. That's really all we need. Um, and that's really where that hook just came from. <clears throat> Grew up in the south side, north side where my head lies. Sit down and reminiscing on the bad and the good times. Low walks and bike rides around in a parking lot. Big wheels and training wheels take them off, then I move up top. Shitty Oak Trail. Yeah, so Risa Joyce is short for Marisa Joyce Williams, which is the name of my aunt. And that's really just talking about like her as a person because she literally took care of my grandmother since she, since Marisa, my aunt, was like 30 years old. My grandmother had Alzheimer's disease, so she took her in and, and she took care of my grandma for all these years. My, my, my aunt is in her 50s now, so she didn't even get to like live life as far as like getting a family, getting married, having kids. And I know deep down she wanted something like that, um, but she sacrificed to to do that and. Uh, that's really where that first verse came came about, you know, and uh, that's really what the whole entire song is. Just this whole entire song is just shouting out love and just uh, just people who make sacrifices. So. I'm praying you never go through the struggle. The struggle make you stronger. You make it through. That's no problem. You can be whatever you want. Uh, I never be the dad to force you anything. Love will never ever cost you anything. So I don't have a daughter. <laughs> nah, no, no, no. A lot of people ask me that. I want a daughter when I do have kids. Uh, and so I'm literally, as if I'm talking to my future daughter, um, being a just being a black woman in the United States. Uh, and that's literally what I'm talking about. I'm even like when I talk about her, my future daughter, as a black woman. I'm talking to all the young daughters that are out here that are that are you know that are African American, and I'm just telling them like what to be ready for, you know. Just being, just being a normal citizen in the United States. Organic helps. No time for replicas.
California City Anthem. Yeah, so the sauce is just like just me having that confidence as a person, as an artist, and just really just you know putting my foot down. Like I am, I am an artist. I am a creative, and you know I just I just really wanted to shout out the city and just shout out people who are doing their thing and just making sure they have the confidence to do it, to do what they still want to do. And but yeah, that's what the sauce is about, man. Like everybody has a sauce, man. Like you got the sauce, Andy. Everybody around, everybody in the city has a sauce, and we just have to keep spreading it out. Just letting people know, like, man, we, you know, we're pretty much doing what we want to do, and we got confidence in it, and, and we're, and we're great at it. Yeah, so everybody can find me at, uh, you can find me anywhere, Young Citizen, Y-U-N-G, to be exact. So, Young Citizen, um, on all social media platforms, you can find me on Spotify, Young Citizen, Apple Music, everywhere. Yeah, just, everybody just keep, just keep going, man. I, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people that, that low-key just want to, like, give up, and I'm just like, nah, keep going. So, if you're, if you're hearing this, keep going, don't quit. That's the only way to success, is to keep going. And just find different ways to, to inspire you. All the way to the ocean. Uh, I thought I told you got the sauce. Yeah, I told you got the sauce. Remember, boy, got the sauce. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we riding. Yeah, we rolling. What's the update on the minimum wage? How people supposed to survive off of what they get paid? Maybe that's the reason people struggle up in the rage. Maybe that's the reason homicides increase by the day. The price that we pay is really getting hard to survive. Getting stunned by different directions like I'm trapped in a hive. It's really not fair. Families constantly losing their lives. Gentrification so real, but are we really surprised? We all in the funk. Maybe it's a sign we need to come together. Holding hands, fight for justice, make it better. Peaceful was the answer like a falling feather. Like a falling feather, I speak of my mind, go off what I see with my eyes. So hard to see the pain, the hurt is up in the skies. So hard to see the truth because we block by the lies. We block by the lies. And now, another mogul moment from Nikki Issa. You are not responsible for people's reactions. You are not responsible for people's reactions. Listen, whatever you decide to do with your life, you are not responsible for how it affects other people. You get so caught up in thinking that, oh, if I do this, some people gonna have something to say. Oh, they not gonna like it. Listen, you are not responsible for that. Sometimes you do stuff and it actually makes people pay attention because maybe you thought of something that they didn't think of or you feel like that you shouldn't do it, but this is what I'm here to tell you. Forget what everybody else is saying. You're not responsible for what they say or what they do or what they think from what you're doing or what you're saying. Sometimes the truth needs to be shared for the people to see that they need to get their stuff together. But you are not responsible for how they react. All you're responsible for is your own actions, your own decisions, your own thoughts and sayings and things that you're doing. But people are so caught up in, oh, I just want to be liked. I just want to make sure that everybody understands what I'm saying. I just want to do the right thing. Quit trying to seek validation and confirmation from people who don't even know you. You know you. What does it matter if you decide to go after your dreams? What does it matter if you start putting yourself first? And what does it matter if you start loving who you are? You're not responsible for people's reactions. You got to do what's best for you because I guarantee you they are doing what's best for them. And the reason why you're still stuck because you're still trying to please everybody else. You are not here to please people. You are here to please yourself and do what's best for you and do what you are called to do. There is a difference. Do 
do what you are called to do, but a lot of us won't do it. And I'm here to tell you that God cannot actually use cowards. It's not about what God can do for you. It's about what God can do through you. But the reason why you won't let God do it to you is because you're so caught up in how people are going to respond. You're not here for them. You're here for you. You're here to be a servant for all the gifts that was true. You're here to do something that you know what you're supposed to do. Did you say thank you? You made it another day. You made it another day, which means there's more work for you to do. If you keep sitting there waiting for people to say, hey, yeah, I like what you're doing. Keep doing it. Hey, yeah, go ahead and go. And this is great. Or if you keep waiting for people to be like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. You'll continue to stay stuck. You'll continue to try to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. And I don't understand, but I get it because people can actually ruin you if you allow them to. But you're not responsible for people's reactions. They are responsible for theirs. And if you say something that actually makes them get upset, then who fault is that? Not yours. It's theirs. Because sometimes they got some things going on that they haven't dealt with. And actually, you are in front of them to reflect it back to them. You are not responsible for people's reactions. You are only responsible for you. You are only responsible for you. Stop waiting and thinking that people are going to get mad from what you do. It doesn't matter. Focus on you. You are not responsible people's reactions love hey everybody it is tim minor and i'm excited this is another edition of the biscuit podcasts creative besties segment so as someone who's an only child but um, has kind of found a kinship and a brotherhood and a creative partnership with matt olin i'm fascinated with creative duos creative partnerships people that can work together bring the best out of one another and persevere through a lot of stress um, and I think it's challenging enough when uh, you're just friends with the other person. I can only imagine when you're married to your creative bestie, Hey-o. the levels of complexity there. So before I get into introducing our incredible uh, uh, guests for today, I do want to thank our sponsors for making this podcast possible. Uh, Ortho Carolina, Crescent Communities, Four Eyes Productions, and we are proud to be part of the Queen City Podcast Network. So, that aside, I'd like to introduce our two guests for today, Tony and Becky Santoro. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Thanks for having us today. We're here. You guys achieved escape velocity, not only from (laughs) your children, but your businesses, to come here and and be with us today, and uh, I really appreciate it. Um, So, it's, it's incredible enough to start one thing. Right. So in 2012, you guys started Enderly Coffee, mm-hmm. which um, is a feat in and of itself. But then uh, now then you decided, well, that wasn't enough. <laughs> then you wanted to become foster parents mm-hmm. and you started Foster Village, which uh, won twenty thousand dollars for the people's choice at at C20 this year. Crazy. Absolutely amazing. I mean, that's that's what an incredible feat. Yeah. I mean, again, most people would, I think, shy away from one of those tasks but to do both of them in such a short mm-hmm. span of time, I, that's got to rely on a lot of trust, a lot of partnership, a lot of hard work, right? Mm, definitely. And a, and a village. And a village, right, not to for play sure. On that, but mm-hmm. we, have, we have a big support village. That's right. So. Yeah. So how long have, have you guys been in Charlotte? We've been in Charlotte since 2007. We were um, originally from Michigan, just graduated. Michigan got State. Michigan State. Is that where Go you guys green. met? Yes. yes. Um, and we got married right after college. So we were basically babies and um, and then um, b- became teachers. And CMS was recruiting 
a lot. And so um, we decided we don't have a lot of a lot of you know ties to Michigan right now. We can go do an adventure and and go to Charlotte, North Carolina. It seemed like a great place to to live and um, came down here and then never left. So yeah, what were your what were your immediate impressions of Charlotte? Well, the reason we picked Charlotte, one of the reasons was Becky had done a road trip with some girlfriends from mm -hmm. Michigan to Hilton Head, and they stopped here one night to stay in a hotel and then finish their trip. And if I remember correctly, you stayed in the Blake Hotel. Over, Did it. Which I don't know what it is now, but it's one of those <laughs> swanky like East Side hotels. And they went to Cosmos. So I guess we can thank Cosmos, rest in peace. That's not there anymore. Yeah. No. <laughs> and yeah. Blake Hotel, and rest in Blake peace. Because they, they wooed yeah. her and yeah. she came back saying that city was so clean and it was Actually, fun. and I remember seeing some beautiful mural on the side of a building. I took a picture of it. And I just, I thought we could drive here, but still have that kind of downtown feel. And we were um, interested in teaching an inner city school. And um, and so CMS had an abundance amount of that. Um, and so it kind of, it kind of sparked the, the light a little bit when we, when I got home to say, this should be a city we should look at. And not to mention the $2,000 signing bonus CMS that was, helps. you know, $2,000. That was everything. It us. was everything out of college. I mean, I, I, uh, it's funny. I it's was wooed by a back. similar amount of yeah. money when I was graduating from college. I had a job interview and they, and, uh, I was like, I'm not taking this job. And then like, we have a signing bonus of 2000. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'll be there on day one. I'll move across Thank the you, country. Sir. That's right. That's right. So was there, did you find there to be a dichotomy uh, or how did you handle the dichotomy between this clean, beautiful, engaging city that you saw when you went on your road trip with the time that you spent in Title I schools in Charlotte? How did that, or would that, did that just make you fall more deeply in love with Charlotte and its people? I mean, I mean, we can address why and how we ended up in Enderly Park, which is very different than the, the shiny, clean city that we're referring to when we talk about Uptown. Uh, we actually, we had job offers and had accepted them to move to downtown Detroit into a, a neighborhood that was, um, I don't know how to describe it. Was it the, one of the toughest parts of Detroit, and their it, goal was for you to live in, in this, the neighborhood, in the neighborhood that a, you taught in. A community-focused school. You move into the neighborhood. She would have been the what second, third grade teacher. I would have been the fourth, fifth teacher. We would have been like most of the school, and it was going to be this like community, community lifestyle that we wanted to live. So when we were looking to move down here, the um, our student loans were kind of one of our motivations too, because mm -hmm. CMS um, had loan forgiveness in public schools if you stayed for 10 years, and there's a free master's offer if you went, uh, did it through a Title I school for three years. And mm -hmm. so we, we ended up coming down here for a lot of, lot of reasons. A lot of it was financial, I would say. Mm -hmm. But um, when we drove around with our realtor, um, he took us to each of the neighborhoods that was kind of popping at the time. So I remember going to even I think we went up to like the Belmont even way back then, which was way mm -hmm. before it was popular. Plaza Midwood, Noda, drove us around down Independence. We went to some neighborhoods mm -hmm. and then he showed us his little neighborhood, Enderly Park and one of 10 houses. And I remember vividly that it's the only place we looked at where a neighbor actually came up and said, hey, you looking at this house? And that was Mr. David who lived across the street. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we went around all. And at the end of the day, we said, that's that's the place we want to yeah. be. Yeah. And they had the, everyone had did life on their front porch and in their front yard. And we just we loved that because we really wanted to be we wanted to take that communal living wherever we went. So. Um, it was pretty easy to choose after that day that we wanted to be in Enderly Park and um, ended up teaching on the other side, on the east side, in living Title on the west side, still. but starting, yeah. But it did give us a good kind of um, 
picture of what Charlotte is was like and still is like. Um, and it made us wrestle with some things that we believed to be true and things that weren't true. And, um, you know, we were a little starry eyed, 22, we're going to change the world. This will probably only take a year before Mm -hmm. like everything is good. Um, and then quickly realized, wow, we're, we're really taking two steps forward and one step back with every student that walks in our door. So after seven years of doing that, um, you know, something shifted for us, and th- that was the the birth of an early coffee. You know, you guys said something really interesting there in, in uh, the the role that the realtor played mm-hmm. in moving mm-hmm. you around. I, I was speaking to somebody um, the other day about why Charlotte is why there why there's such a segment of the Charlotte population that seems to be shocked when when there's some either racial unrest or there's protests or something happens that mm-hmm. feels so um, so different than their world. And one of the most insightful things I've heard about that issue was not to denigrate or vilify realtors, right, but mm-hmm. somebody comes to town and where they're shown um, informs immediately, that's your imprint of Charlotte. And so oftentimes... Um, people get taken down to South Charlotte or the poppin' neighborhoods as you're talking about. And it's not of a desire to not see other parts of Charlotte, but you go there and it's like, oh, everything I need is here, and mm-hmm. that becomes your world. That's right. So that realtor really did you guys an oh, incredible yeah. service by showing you a more you know, a more diverse, complete mm-hmm. picture yeah. yes. of Charlotte. And it, he's now one of our good friends. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I guess we shout him out. Edwin Wilson with Five Points Realty. Yeah. He wasn't with them then. That was before the birth of that company. But um he's just he's a Pioneer in the sense that he really believes in like integrating and and making community happen rather than like isolation. Uh, isolation, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so he's he's actually our landlord as well at um, Enderly Coffee Shop. So his group did the building and got us in there. Um, but he's also a really close friend outside of all the business and everything. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna on the podcast, I want to, that was an awesome conversation, but it probably happened earlier than we want. So I'm going to go back to a mm-hmm. few, like, how did you meet Start. type question? Oh, yeah. And then we'll go, then we'll go back into like <laughs> the meat. Right. Okay. And then we yeah. have four kids. Now. <laughs> yeah. And then boom, poof. Boom. All right. So tell me a little bit about how you two met, like what were the circumstances? And then I, hopefully this doesn't cause marital discord, <laughs> there, but um, no. what were your initial impressions of the other? Ooh, good so, one. So you, didn't you notice me first? <laughs> at the retreat is that, is that correct do you hear how he says that <laughs> that's a great oh phrasing my. it's not i think she noticed me first it was i'm planning the story i want yeah, you to tell you noticed right. me from across a crowded room well you it was stood such a, up so it's yeah such a, it's such another lifetime for us i'm gonna to paint the context 10 years no not 10 years it was oh, born 2003 mm-hmm. um just conservative Christian campus crusade a at lot Michigan has changed State University. Since then. <laughs> that's who we were at the time. And that's what we were deeply invested in. So actually she was more than me. And then I joined as a, um, as a 22 year old on probation for things I had done. 19, just out, 19. I was 19, you were 19. Okay. 19 for probation, things I'd done out of school. And I had just started to explore faith. And that's when I went to this retreat at Campus Crusade. Mm-hmm. And it kind of like hit me hard. There's a, a whole story behind that. And the next morning I, I stood up in front of the, the crowd and I said, hey, you know, I'm 
exploring faith here. I want to, you know, <clears throat> commit my life more towards this. And that's when she noticed me. Oh, yeah, that's probably it. And I was like, oh, man. Uh, no, I think that it, the thing that drew me to him and we were just friends for a while. But one of the things that drew me to him was that he was he was a little more reserved than a lot of guys that I had met in, you know, in my time in college where he was a little bit more pulled back. Um, and I was I was I I was like, what? You know, he was a little myster- mysterious, I guess, but really kind-hearted um, and friends with everybody, no matter the context or what their life situation was like. And I think I was just really drawn to that calm, stable energy that he brought, um, because calm and stable is probably not two words in it, that people would use to describe me. Um, and so I think that that was what drew me to him initially. So we were friends for a good while and then um, started dating. And um, that was pretty much the end there. Yeah. And I think vice versa. <laughs> I noticed in that context where I would see her and she had this group of girls that just were that she was like one of the leaders of the group and the way that they just like looked up to her and respected her. I, I saw in her that there was this like character trait of like, like going to do things and these people are coming with me. And I remember that even at Michigan state, just that um, it stood out that she has something special that people want to be around her. And she's always kind of had that in her friend groups and different places we've gone. So you, you get to Charlotte, you mm-hmm. do seven years in CMS mm-hmm. and then you decide, you know, there's more we could do or there's something different we can do. Take mm-hmm. me through how, how that evolved, because I'm sure it wasn't a Saturday morning. Like, no. Let's quit our jobs and start a coffee shop. Definitely. There's not. like a story behind every question. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, well, I think that makes for good podcasting. That does. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get it. I'll get it started that we okay. had two young babies at the time and still teaching and um most of my salary was going to pay childcare. Um, we were on a, a pay freeze. We both had our masters. Um, so what pay freeze means is this was the recession. And for five years, CMS did not give any teachers a pay increase. So we were seventh year teachers being paid as second year teachers mm-hmm. on the pay scale. And we had no, nothing we did, no matter how hard, hard we worked, could we change that? And I'm mm. sure that you were given a, a break on your student loans. Of course. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, hey, don't worry. I didn't we, finish those 10 years. So. Yeah, <laughs> we're still, still playing on those bad boys. Yeah, so it was kind of, it was, it was a catalyst when we began our family that maybe something needs to shift a little bit. Um, and we were, for a season, we were at the same school. He taught fifth grade, I taught second. Um, and we worked our tails off all the time. And so it was really to be a great teacher in that environment. Those kids are your kids. Those students are your kids. Um, And so, you know, 60, 70 hours a week, not a big deal for us without kids. But then when kids came into the picture, it did really change the trajectory of um, what we knew to be true of what we needed, um, which was some stability for our family, but also rooted in what our core beliefs were, which is to help, you know, restore an outcome. Um, And so a lot of the times Tony would take these kids back up to grade level and then send them off and they would come crashing down and and similar to, to my story too. And so that's kind of when we started going, 
could we do this different? Can we be teachers, but not teachers? Can we be in our community and use what we've learned, but to do it maybe a little bit more in a smaller scale and actually help at least one kind of seed through? Um, and so that was kind of the birth of Enderly Coffee. It was really just a, a hobby, and it was an annoying hobby, honestly, because um, I had a young baby, and we didn't have a nursery because all of the roasting stuff was in his our, our the third bedroom. Thousand square feet. He's roasting out of uh, in the backyard with really pop over and over again for like two hours, over and over again. And I'm trying to get the babies down, and we're doing school. And he was up at four roasting and then delivering and coming home and helping us put the kids down. And um, and we did that life for a couple of years towards the end of teaching. And then it got to the point where it's like something might give here. It'll either be, you know, our marriage and our family or um, teaching, you know, our that season has gone on long enough. And if we're ever going to try to make it, we're going to have to step out of the classroom and really give it a go. But at the time, it was just really a a small dream. So yeah. it, yeah. And, and going back to like, I've, I've never believed that it would grow into something. It was always just what's the right next step. So at that time, the right next step for us was try to make stability in our home. So that meant me quit teaching, send my resume to all the banks, get a $50,000 a year job that can create stability. And that's what, that's what I did. I applied everywhere and I tried to work my network to get a job in there and couldn't really find the right deal. Um, so a good friend of ours, who owns Torrent Consulting locally, he said, hey, if you quit, I'll hire you for a time to help you transition into roasting full time. And for me, I was like, okay, that's the right next step. It wasn't, I'm going to build a roasting company that's going to be big in Charlotte. I'm not going to open a coffee shop. It was just the right next step was work at Torrent, do the best I can do there, accept their support, try to grow my company and hope that it works. And that was, that's kind of like how we've live, lived our life is what's that right next step. Mm-hmm. What it, so I think that's life is so full of twists and, and turns and uncertainties. It's it's difficult to, I think to find someone who will match you mm-hmm. and go with you and either, and challenge you at the right moments and support you at the at at the right moments as well. So what what have been some of the keys? Because not you know not only have you chosen to start a family together, which is no small feat. Mm-hmm. Right then, we'll get into growing the family <laughs> too. But I, I love my wife. We've been together for twenty years, but I don't think we could work together. Mm-hmm. So, what does it take to to not only navigate life stuff, but then decide, okay, we're going to make these this business work together? What are some of the key ingredients? Do you think to to that? I think first and foremost, just knowing you know, we kind of stay in our lanes. Like I am a huge, um, encourager, supporter of Enderly Coffee. Um, but I'm not in the day-to-day operations at all. Um, and I think that helps us. I don't know if we could actually work together in the everyday capacity, but, um, I think I'm his biggest fan and I think he's my biggest fan. And so it's helped us to kind of level set or be a safe place to land um, or process something bigger. So there's definitely dreaming that we do together and there's definitely some like boots on the ground stuff that we do together, especially with him with um, Foster Village. But when it comes to the day-to-day decisions and the day-to-day operations, um, we're probably healthier not doing every step together. Yeah, and what I would add to that is... um is the filter I run things through, and I think even back when I quit teaching, is 
would so I'm 35 now. Would I ask myself now? Would 40 year old Tony regret this decision? So, would 40 year old Tony regret quitting teaching and trying to grow a company? Would 40 year old Tony regret signing up for those fo fo those first foster care classes and like trying to see if we can do foster care? Would would 40 year old Tony regret? encouraging Becky to quit her job at the church and try to raise support to do this foster village thing. And, you know, worst case scenario, these things don't work out and we go back to square one. And I don't think I would ever regret that. It, at least we tried kind of thing. So but I really think that that is the thing that kind of has, has come up for us being married for so long is like at, at the beginning of our marriage, he was the one that never really took a leap in any decision. And I was the, the let's do it. Let's go for it. Let's move across country. And just, you know, and I probably pushed too hard a lot of times, just kind of like, come on, join me. And, um, and, but then when Enderly Coffee happened, it was really him that was pulling me along going, no, I think that this could, you know, so it's the kind of that underlying, like, trust but then ability to grow and change over time where we can kind of level set each other um, has been really key for for us and it's not easy I won't paint a picture here that we're living and living the high life and you know every moment ever every day is sunshine and bouquets of flowers because I don't know when the last time I was I got a bouquet of flowers <laughs> Come on, Tim. <laughs> I, I, I just made a mental note. Uh, I, I live with, you know, I live with three women. I'm used to, I, I respond well to strong female leadership. There you uh, go. So You're submissive. Good. Yeah. It's good. Uh, Don't go that I, far. I, no, I, I know, I think I've gotten pretty good at knowing which battles to That's fight. right. That's okay. right. Um, it's interesting, and I don't want to lose, lose track of what we're talking about, but it is interesting the way you process things because whereas you're saying what would 40-year-old Tony want, I, I gut check on what would 16-year-old Tim think? Mm. You know, I, I actually, as the older I've gotten, I turned 46 in a month. Um, I know, I'm immature. It's, <laughs> it's hard to believe. Um, but I think that guy had it figured out sometimes better than than I do. Mm. I think he saw things a little bit more mm -hmm. clearly and, and was more prone to just saying, what's the, asking the why more mm. and just doing things. And so... Mm. As we've moved forward, I've I've kind of got checks against that young yes. man. Yes, um, but so what were some of the challenges? And I know there weren't uh, there were quite a few, but what are some of the immediate challenges when you got Enderly Coffee, the the storefront up and up and going? Um, so as any parent knows, drop offs and pickups, schools and daycares. That's a that's a hard task in itself for even just for like a family that might have like one working person and one stay at home person. But to have two working parents with me having to be at the coffee shop to open it up initially for a period of time didn't give any flexibility for her to rely on me to support that. Um, so she picked up a ton of slack and still does every day. Um, she sacrifices a ton so that Enderly Coffee can grow to a place that we hopefully hit stability. Um, but it started early on, um, and it still goes to today. Like she said, back when I was roasting, it was, you know, it was me out doing my thing while she, like, took took up for me and cleaned up dinner and put the kids down or whatever, and I was out in the backyard smoking up the neighborhood and <laughs> roasting coffee. Um, so for me, like, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that is uh, – those are the things that get forgotten, right? Mm -hmm. There's a glamour in owning your own business. Like, oh, oh goodness. you own your own coffee mm -mm. shop. 
like, yeah, I do. <laughs> I mean, because you're, you're, are you still delivering? Oh, yeah. I, I bump I have my a hands, lot. Yeah, I have my hands in the delivery still as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. we've gone through those phases of hiring and then people transitioning out because we can't quite afford like a full-time person who can fill all these roles so they can't really commit five years or ten years to the company so right you know they get another offer they have to go back to their corporate job because they just they can't afford to be in the startup life like like we're sacrificing to do because it's our company and i understand that so we've had different seasons of sales people come through and delivery people come through and we're just trying to find the right the right combination so we can reach that stability my big takeaway from seed 20 this year was like the insane amount of people in the in the, in the audience that were lot. there <laughs> to support foster village and they wouldn't do that if the two of you weren't setting an incredible example um and and matt and i are are big proponents now that that the mark of what makes somebody a charlatan is not the length of time that you've been here it's not the title that you have it's not the neighborhood in which you live, although all those contribute to it. It's your willingness to give of what you have to get involved. And, and I can't think of, of two more shining examples of that than, than the two of you. Thank you. So thank you for coming in. Mm. We're, we're, we're all getting emotional. <laughs> Andy, you could hand us some Kleenex. But keep doing what you're doing and, and, you. and keep reaching out and let us know how we can support thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having thank us you on so today. Thanks again to Young Citizen, Becky and Tony Santoro, and Nikki Eason for speaking with us. And thank you, the listener, for tuning into the Biscuit Podcast. That's all the time we have for today's episode of The Biscuit. Remember to subscribe to The Biscuit Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review so that other creative charlatans can hear about us, or better yet, just tell them yourself. Finally, get the scoop on Charlotte's creative scene delivered straight to your inbox every week by subscribing to the Biscuit email newsletter. Do that now at BiscuitCLT.com. The Biscuit Podcast is produced by Tim Miner, Matt Olin, and Andy Goh. Music by Harvey Cummings.